Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. Our mission is to live the way of Jesus so we can leave the world better than we found it. If you'd like more information about our church, you can click on the link in the show notes or head to Christ-community.com. All right, let's get started. Let's continue worshiping in the reading and preaching of God's Word. Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Um, I want to let you know about a couple things uh, and or just uh, make an addendum uh, to, uh, to a couple of those updates. Um, hold on just a second. Let me get my stuff pulled up here. There we go. Is that the right one? That's not the right one. Oh, well, well, we'll see how we're doing here. How am I doing? Um, uh, first of all, if you have not been with us uh, the last week or so, uh, we have these stones uh, that I would love for you to take with you. Uh, so there's a, there's a little basket that's in the window that's on, on my right in the back, your right if you turn around and go out the door. And so uh, once you head out, please grab one of these if you have not yet. Uh, we had a little time a few weeks ago uh, where we celebrated together that the Lord has provided for Christ Community Church. We were, uh, had our various options of where we would, had hoped to worship starting in December, fell through, uh, and the Lord really provided this space for us in December uh, in pretty dramatic fashion. And I might even say miraculously, I would. Um, and so we got together and celebrated that Uh, And we also prayed that the Lord would provide a more permanent space for us. And so, you know, you may remember in the scriptures that often uh, God's people would uh, put up a little memorial of some sort, either a big old rock or like a stack of rocks somehow to remember God's provision. And uh, you've heard me say this uh, if you've been here more than just this morning, but uh, I really did think about like, should we stack up a bunch of rocks in here somehow? Uh, but I thought that might be distracting and turn into weaponry for our children. So instead, I'd love for you to take a stone with you, put it somewhere that you'll see it. Maybe you write a, a, a scripture verse on there, your favorite scripture verse. Maybe not. But just to remind you, God provides for his people. Uh, and God has provided for Christ's community again and again and again, regardless of our permanent situation. Uh, and to remind you to, to pray to that end. Uh, and so uh, we've been praying for the building. And, um, you know, that, that Wednesday, uh, not this past Wednesday, but the week before, uh, we prayed together. We asked the Lord to provide a permanent space. We prayed for this building specifically as well, because it'd be real nice to not move twice. Uh, and so the next day, uh, I, was, I got a uh, call from the agent who has represented this building to say, hey, we would like to offer you a two-year lease uh, at a price that you can afford. 
Uh, and so we, we waited uh, last week because we just need to make sure to run that through. Elders, we good on this? Finance team, we good on this, right? Uh, and so this week, I am just waiting for the lease. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna sign that lease this week unless uh, you know, they ask for our firstborn children or something. <laughs> we're gonna be here uh, for two years. Uh, so really amazing to see God provide in that way, right? This is not Garrett's leadership. This is not uh, our elders or finance teams uh, or staff's leadership either, although they are stellar, right? This is God providing for his people. Uh, I toured this space pretty much as soon as uh, the church that was here last decided to vacate, right? Or just bought the other building and uh, walked through it and thought, this could really work. And it was so expensive. Uh, and I had only talked to the agent and through all the drama, God put us in touch with the owner of the building uh, who heard about who we are and heard about what we're trying to do and our desire for permanence, et cetera, and said, let me see if there's not a path forward. Let me call that agent for you. Uh, and so this is just a sweet time uh, to remember that God provides. God has provided for us, and we're, we're very excited about that. So take a stone. Remember that God has provided. Sorry, I didn't mean to slam that. Uh, <laughs> You stay here, little buddy. Uh, I might slam that thing again by accident. Um, so anyway, uh, very excited about that, uh, uh, that we would be able to uh, really lock into some place uh, permanently. So that's some good news. Uh, we're going to talk about some good news here this morning as well. Pray that your hearts feel ready for the good news this morning. I don't know if you feel that way or not, uh, but that is what we are going to talk about ultimately. Right? Every week we want to talk about the good news because it is the power of God, Romans says, to those who are being saved. Uh, and so it's not about uh, our ability uh, to get it together. It's not about our ability to drum it up as Ian was leading us earlier. No, it's about us leaning into the beautiful reality uh, of all that Jesus is. So I'm going to pray, and I'm also going to pray for this iPad for a second, if you don't mind. I can read my notes on my phone if I have to, but uh, for whatever reason, what was updating earlier uh, is not updating now. So let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, thank you for your provision. Uh, regardless of whether I need to uh, look at my notes on an iPhone or iPad, you've provided, and we know that, uh, and we're thankful for that. Uh, and so, Lord, we, uh, we pray that our hearts would be ready to hear your word this morning, that our hearts uh, would be soft uh, to whatever you have for us here this morning. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would change us as a result of hearing from your word this morning, not anything clever that, uh, that I have to say. And we pray these things uh, in Christ's name, amen. So uh, we're in the Great Commission, right? Which is a weird passage to choose for Advent, I know. Right? Uh, here we are, we're uh, trying to celebrate in Advent the arrival, remember that's what Advent means, the arrival of Jesus for the first time and, and cultivate a longing for uh, his second advent when he comes again to consummate all, to make it better than brand new, right? Uh, to make everything new uh, in him. And we got this uh, verse going here that is uh, about him leaving. Seems a little weird. Um, but we're gonna think a little bit about uh, 
arrivals, even as we're thinking about his ascension, right, and what Jesus had to say uh, as he was ascending to uh, his proper place of authority. And so uh, in order to do that, I'm gonna start out by showing us a little video. And I don't know that it was smart to put this at the front of the sermon uh, because it's one of those things, I tried not to get the, the absolute worst tearjerkers, but I, for me, one of the things that can get me emotional the fastest is what I'm about to show you, uh, which is um, particularly children uh, with those unexpected homecomings of their parents who have been deployed in the military somehow. Oh. Right? Uh, so just thinking about returns, thinking about homecomings, arrivals, etc. I'd love for us to see this. I'm not trying to get you to cry, right? But I do want us to, to think about it, the beauty of this moment. So let's take a peek at this for just a sec. is that. Uh, so I've watched a few of these videos this week and uh, decided like which one to use at 5 a.m. this morning and it's just bawling <laughs> like a baby at our dining room table. So, uh, right. Uh, so we're thinking of, we're thinking about arrivals, uh, returns, and, and deep relationship. You see that? Like, who knows what those relationships are actually like? We don't know people's stories exactly, but like nonetheless, you see the emotion from those children immediately. Dad's home or mom's home, or you've seen plenty of times where it's a child that's come home and the emotion is deep and comes out fast, doesn't it? Uh, so I, yeah, I'm showing you that because it's tying into to where we're going uh, this morning uh, and our longing for deep relationship, for deep relationship, for uh, intimate relationship and friendship uh, and how the Lord uh, meets us in the midst of that. So this is our third week in our Advent series that we're calling uh, A Generous Paradoxy. Um, and uh, we, we've talked about how, you know, in Jesus, we see the ultimate paradox, don't we? Uh, and we've looked each week at that funny little picture of uh, a hand drawing a hand, drawing a hand, drawing a hand, an impossibility, right? A, a paradox is a, a seeming contradiction. And what seems more contradictory than fully God, fully man? Right? So we have the ultimate paradox, and yet we also have the ultimate generosity in Jesus. Because God is giving himself. And so each week we're just examining that in slightly different ways. Uh, how is Jesus, this, this paradox of the ultimate generosity uh, in God, right? Uh, the one who is the giver is also the gift. 
is also life uh, himself. And so we're looking at this uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, which is uh, the, the most Hebrew gospel. This is the, uh, the story of the life and ministry of Jesus that is uh, particularly aimed at uh, God's Old Testament covenant people uh, to bring them into New Testament covenant people as well. And Matthew uh, famously recounts for us this great commission, uh, unlike any other. Uh, Jesus' last words after he is resurrected uh, and he is going to his place of authority again, uh, this is what Jesus has to say. And so we're seeing in this passage, in a unique way, that Jesus, this uh, generous paradoxy of the second person of the Trinity, is the one who is transcendent and yet intimate. We see it in Matthew 28. He's transcendent and yet he is intimate. And so uh, we'll just kind of walk through that for a moment, this, this passage in how do we see that Jesus is transcendent and Jesus is intimate as well. First, Jesus is transcendent. We see this in this passage specifically the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. Uh, Hermann Babink, my favorite theologian, I have favorite theologians, uh, says this, Scripture continually confronts us with God's absolute transcendence over his creatures, over all creatures. And what that means is that he is unlike us, isn't he? God is totally unlike us creatures. He's totally other. Remember we talked about uh, earlier in the year, we had a series where we talked about holiness. That means other. We tend to tie it to God's righteousness and rightfully so, because that's one of the ways that we can see pretty clearly that he's other than us. Uh, But what it means is that God is totally separate. He's totally set apart. He's totally other than us. And scripture shows us this. Scripture teaches us about a God who is independent, right? He's self-sufficient. He does not need anything from the creature in order for him to exist. He is totally uh, separate and self-sufficient and independent. He did not create us because there was some lack in him or he felt lonely one day. No, no, no. God is independent. Uh, God as well uh, is simple. We've talked about this some as well, haven't we? That, that God's uh, being and God's attributes are not two separate things. That is the case with us, isn't it? I mean, I, I love all y'all, but I have never said, ah, oh, thorn is goodness. <laughs> He's pretty good. Uh, but that's, that's never rolled off of our tongues about one another, has it? Goodness itself, faithfulness itself, love itself. That's what it means when the Bible says that God is love, right? He is not separate from his attributes. God is love. God is truth. God is goodness and faithfulness and all these things. He's other. He is not composite like we are. He is different. He's immutable, unchanging. There's never been a moment where God has changed in the slightest way. Infinite. This is not like a, a person, but just extended out. There is no end uh, to who and what God is. He is transcendent. He is other, right? This paradox thing we talked about, we're not going to wrap our minds around the paradox of the incarnation. We're not going to wrap our minds fully comprehend all that is God ever 
in all of eternity. It won't happen. But we get the joy of pursuing him and knowing more and more about him uh, eternally as well. And so he's transcendent. He's different, right? Is that scary? Think about it just for a moment. Is it, is it a little bit scary that God is transcendent? It maybe should be. I don't know that we pause to think about this all that much, but you know, without any assurance that God is for us, it should probably scare us a little bit uh, that he is transcendent, that he is other. It's terrifying to me. Uh, I don't know if you experience this ever uh, when you're in nature as well. People talk about, you know, meeting God in nature, which certainly uh, we can uh, uh, go out on a hike, see a beautiful mountain, reflect on things about God, meet with his spirit wherever we are. But like, again, without some assurance that there is a God who is for you, nature is terrifying, (laughs) y'all. Like, uh, this frightens me. Uh, this is transcendent. It is other. Uh, and again, without love, it's brutal. Romans 1 tells us that we can look at the creation and see some things about God, but not all things about God. You don't look at a snow-capped mountain and think, there's a God who loves me, unless you've heard of it before, somewhere. And so God doesn't uh, leave us there. We see that he's transcendent. We see that in Jesus, he is transcendent as well. All authority. So God is placing him in this position. It says right hand. It does not mean that God has a hand, right? Infinite. Nobody. Uh, It does not mean that Jesus is sitting in a literal place. It means that Jesus is in the place of all authority. All of God's authority given to Jesus in his rightful place. But not just that. He's also intimate all authority given to me. And you notice that at the end of the passage, I'm with you always, with you. And so transcendence, typically, if you're getting into these topics in like a theological textbook or a lecture or something like that that you're very uninterested in, I know, uh, transcendence is typically contrasted with imminence, right? And so God is high and above and other and yet uh, also always present imminent with us. And that's true, and that's part of what I'm saying here this morning, uh, but there's even a little more to it. He is also intimate. Not only here, but here with purpose, to love, to be friends with a people, to communicate with a people. Unlike what many in our culture and many in the West have come to believe uh, about God because of, I think we got a picture, this guy. This guy's still messing up your thinking to this day, by the way. Look at him. He knows. That's Immanuel Kant, or at least what somebody thought Kant looked like. And here's a really broad brushstroke. If any of y'all are philosophy majors or were philosophy majors at one time, uh, this is going to drive you nuts, right? But, uh, right? But in the 1700s or so, uh, Kant writes his critique of pure reason and several other critiques as well. Uh, and, and people begin to say, yeah, can we really say anything about God? Mm. It, it, it's other, it's supernatural, it's transcendent. All that we know 
is this, right? I shouldn't have smacked myself in the face. I was not trying to be funny. Uh, but that's all we know, right? That's all we can know is sensory experience. It's all we got. It's the only thing uh, that we can really rest on and say, oh, we have, we have certainty of that. We can't speak of things uh, in the realm beyond. And that affects us to this day. Uh, we're, I think we have a tendency to discount that we can truly know and have intimate relationship with the God of the universe. Jesus shows us that that's the case, though. Again, Bobbick says he lives in a high and holy place, yes, but also with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. And that is the theme which comes to our ears from every page of Scripture. So Jesus shows us, again, the transcendence of God, uh, and the intimacy of God, which is not merely a knowable human. He was that, is that, uh, or a knowable transcendent human. That's like the somehow deified or whatever, right? But he is the transcendent God who is knowable and wants to know you. In the incarnation, right, Jesus condescends. He humbles himself not just to be an acquaintance, but to bring us close, to bring us to be intimate friends with him. You know, it's the hardest part of scripture perhaps for me to believe uh, that in the new heavens and the new earth that there will be no tears. Because how on earth am I going to be united to Jesus and not react like those little kids seeing their daddy? I tend to think maybe it's a metaphor for all sadness being taken away, but well, I digress, right? Uh, it, the paradox of the transcendent and yet intimate Jesus is the good news. Uh, and it is the good news uh, is, which draws us into his mission. It's the good news. And the good news is what draws us into his mission. I can't beat you over the head enough to get you on mission, can I? Yeah, you could do stuff, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't do any good, would it? Can't beat myself over the head enough to make that happen. No, uh, the, the good news, the paradox of the transcendent yet intimate Jesus is what draws us into his mission of making all things new. This is the beautiful reality of Jesus. Right? The, the generous paradoxy of who he is and all he has done and all he is doing. Right? God did not just discard us. God created in the beginning uh, good, and God created people to love them, to have this friendship with them. Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the beginning, didn't they? Uh, to give us life in this friendship, and yet we chose to be uh, those who chose to call the shots of good and evil, right? Uh, who would rather crucify him than worship him. And yet Jesus comes close. Still, uh, God comes close in Christ Jesus, not just to, to be our buddy, uh, but to take the penalty of those who are treasonous, right? In our place to die. Uh, that, that any who would turn from being our own God uh, and uh, being our own Savior and, and trust Him, He would give life, real life in Him, intimate friendship with God. And that is just the first fruits. 
because it, it starts with us and it goes on to making all things new and he invites us into that. And so we see that in the passage as well, right? It, all authority, he's transcendent and the transcendent one will be with us intimately along for the ride the whole way and he's calling us into what? Make disciples. What does that mean? Uh, uh, we've stated it this way in our, our mission statement that we're applying the beautiful reality of Jesus, just the gospel. How? Through voice, through work, through relationship, right? And so through our, through our voices, through the things that we, that we say, that we write, that we uh, represent, that we advocate for on some level. I'm, I'm speaking gospel words and I'm speaking words that are shaped by gospel. Uh, in our work, I'm not talking about uh, vocation here necessarily, but, but our actions, right? The things we do which are aligned with uh, the good news of Jesus uh, and in our relationships. And that's in there on purpose because disembodied words and actions are not nearly as powerful as we tend to think that they are. No, it happens in uh, relationship. That's the way of Jesus. And where? In every sphere. In every sphere of life, bringing his uh, restoration, which is infinite, yeah, every sphere. But for us, some categories to begin thinking in, uh, at the very least, it would mean in my job, the actual place where I'm spending uh, a lot of time, the actual people that I'm seeing face to face, uh, as well as uh, public interactions, right? The ways that I'm, that I'm talking, that I'm acting around other people, and certainly the ways that I'm, that I'm interacting around things that are happening in public as well. Public policies may be a part of that. Arts and entertainment, the way that I interact with these things, talk about, think about uh, these things. Uh, to live in light of the transcendent and yet intimate Jesus is in these various ways to give ourselves. To give ourselves because he gave himself for us. And so there are going to be all these unique applications of it in our unique little spheres, aren't there? And yet, we know broadly what some of that will look like. Martin Luther King said in his letter from the Birmingham jail, there was a time when the church was very powerful. It was during that period that the early Christians rejoiced when they, deemed, when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was the thermostat that transformed the mores of society. That's what Jesus is calling us into. That is not other than making disciples. They're not at war. And so we're in this uh, season of Advent, and we're wanting to become people like that, cultivate uh, that reality uh, as we're cultivating our longing for the second Advent, second arrival of Jesus, right, prior to our, our full celebration of his arrival uh, in Christmas. And, and I just always want to say, like, I, Scripture doesn't tell us how to celebrate Christmas, okay? Remember, 
right? So I, I do not need to get freaked out about what is on my Starbucks cup. <laughs> God's not calling you into that. Uh, God is calling us uh, to remember the good news of Jesus every day. And this season can be an opportunity for that in our lives, can't it? Uh, one of my favorite musicians used to uh, do a radio show called Live From Here. His name's Chris Thiele. And he did a, a Christmas show in particular that I just loved. Uh, they did a couple years in a row. And I've watched it earlier this week, one of them. And he said, this is what the holidays are all about, right? The steam room to ice bath cultural whiplash of high and low. I'm talking about sublime, prayerful meditations on the potential for peace against the backdrop of the snowmanish ornament that your brother made in 1986 out of marshmallows, shellac, and an unholy amount of glitter. <laughs> How do we cultivate these selves? How do we cultivate this longing in this whiplash that's all around us of high and low? Uh, so we've, we've said this each week. I'm, I'm a sommelier recommending some pairings to you, okay, for your Advent meal. Here's, here's some things to go along with it. Lament and awe. <laughs> Lament and awe. It's the same pairings every week. Sorry about that. But uh, uh, we're going to apply this in specific ways. There were two articles that I read uh, just this week about estranged family or parents which is what kind of led me to that video at the beginning as well. And they're fascinating. One was uh, from Plow Magazine from a man named Terrence Sweeney, who is a Catholic theologian and academic, uh, who was born uh, to a single mother. His mom had had an affair with a married man, and so he had no relationship with this man all of his life. And once the man died, he thought perhaps uh, he would get a little something. Maybe an inheritance, maybe a picture or a note or something. And he was waiting. He says, while I waited, I wondered what would arrive. Perhaps amid the legal documents, a letter or photo. I felt the hairs on my neck tingle like I had as a kid on long walks to the lake. Back then, I was sure that the car slowing down would be his. He would hop out and ask me where the Sweeney's lived. For some reason, he was driving with a baseball glove on. Imprudently, I would tell him the way. Returning home, I would find his car in the driveway and casually introduce myself as one of those Sweeney's. He would toss me a glove, and suddenly we were having a catch in the yard between the lilac bushes and the broken-down Volkswagen rabbit. Miraculously, I could catch and throw. He mussed my hair and then headed out. When the legal package arrived, there was no letter. Just like back then, I found myself at home and still bad at baseball. The package consisted of a thick manila envelope containing three clusters of paper, each stapled together. Having determined that there was no letter from him to me, I went through the materials. There was, in fact, a lot of money properly doled out to, quote, the issue of his marriage to the other woman, or the children of his marriage to the other woman. The expression came up on page after page, just in case the question was unclear. I was not to receive the inheritance designated for his legitimate issue, the half-siblings I had never met. The only place I was mentioned by name was in another packet, indicating how I could seek legal recourse for, well, being the wrong kind of issue. When drawing up his will, the man had not forgotten me. A man I couldn't remember, and so couldn't forget, had remembered me well enough to write me out of his inheritance. 
Things are not as they should be, are they? That's just one story that I found particularly gripping of just the brokenness in our world, broken relationships, broken uh, families in various ways. And we use this word intimacy, and I've been talking about it in terms of friendship, but, but it brings to mind even uh, the relational brokenness in sexuality as well, doesn't it? There's brokenness in each of us and in our world, and so lamented this week specifically. Cry out. Grieve it. Perhaps in your own experience, perhaps just where you see it in the world. The world is it not as it should be lamented, but also don't forget the awe. That's what this season is, lament and awe. Continue putting yourself in the path of oncoming beauty. Be awed, right? Maybe, again, go out to that mountain that you know the gospel, so it can remind you of the love of God, right? Uh, remember, uh, not just physical beauty or whatever it may be, remember that God uh, didn't leave us with just the transcendent beauty uh, and, and no message about intimacy, the second advent is coming when Jesus will consummate all in glory, wiping away every tear from every eye. So I mentioned there are two stories of broken relationships. Here's one more. Uh, this is Camilla Mobley. Can see you there. I'm going to read you one more thing. Each July 10th, Shinara Mobley cut a slice of cake for herself, and then cut a piece for her missing child, Camille. She'd wrap Camille's piece and place it in the freezer, just in case. Another birthday, another year without her daughter, another cake, another wish. This year there won't be any cake, and who knows about next year or the year after that because only one of the Mobley's wishes came true. In January 2017, after the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children received two tips, investigators with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office found Camille Mobley living in rural South Carolina. Camille was Alexis Kelly Manigo. It's a rare, complicated story. Uh, Camille, or Alexis as she still goes by right now, uh, was abducted at birth and did not know it for 18 years. Uh, and so that was the story of her mother waiting on her. And it's a very complicated story because the woman who abducted her, she still calls mom and says, treated her wonderfully. And so she's really struggling with it. It's, uh, it's fascinating, but I, it, it made me think a little bit. A friend of mine sent it and said, hey, I'm using this in my sermon. <laughs> so I'm going to read that. Uh, but what if, what if you grew up all your life being told you had a different name? A totally different identity. And then one day, someone comes through the door and says, no, this is who you really are. Uh, for Camille, Alexis, that story is pretty complicated. Uh, but for us, this is reality on some level, isn't it? This is our story. Uh, our real father. Uh, has advented for us, sending Christ Jesus, and is coming for us again. <laughs> we are told again and again and again uh, by the world, by uh, our enemy, that we have a different name. Perhaps it is shame or sin 
or whatever uh, it may be that he tries to torment you with. And there is one who is coming for you, uh, just like those dads at the beginning, not just to show up and bring you into uh, some cloud land that we call heaven. No, for real life, intimate relationship and friendship with you, with your real name, holy, beloved, mine. The paradox of the generosity of Jesus is that he is the transcendent one who is imminent and intimate and has come for you and will come again. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we pray to be those who live in light of this. We deeply think upon and remember the beauty of your good news, who are uh, not just those who uh, look at it and leave unchanged, but those who are transformed by the gospel. And so we want to lament in awe this week. Uh, we want to lament that things are not as they should be. Give us grace if we need to plumb the depths of our own story to lament, perhaps. And Lord, give us grace. Uh, perhaps it's a season that just feels hard and lament feels like something we can't get out of. Give us grace to see your beauty in this season as well. If nothing else, the beauty of your gospel. May we rest in it, trust in it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.